is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Review Radio, we are talking with daughter of St. Paul, Sister Rose Picotti. Sister Rose Picotti, FSP, is a media literacy education specialist and the founding director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Los Angeles. She is an award-winning author and film journalist for the National Catholic Reporter, St. Anthony Messenger, and author of several books on film and scripture. Her books include Martin Sheen, Pilgrim on the Way, and The Way, a Cinematic Film Guide. She has also served on the Cygnus juries at Venice, Berlin, and Locarno. Cygnus is the World Catholic Association for Communication, which brings together radio, television, cinema, video, media education, internet, and new technology professionals. Sister Rose received a Lifetime Achievement Gabriel Award from the Catholic Academy of Communication Arts Professionals, at the 2017 Cygnus World Congress in Quebec. She has been living in Rome for the past several months, teaching classes on digital media and media literacy. We are chatting with Sister Rose at the Catholic Media Conference in Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. It's great to be with you again. Well, thanks. You've been focusing a lot lately on media literacy. First of all, for our folks, how do you define that and why is it so important? So media literacy education is what people who are really interested in it and who are doing it call an educational and for us believers a faith imperative for the 21st century. It means to learn how to access, analyze, evaluate, and create media in all its forms. Because when we do media, that's when we begin to understand it, how it works. And also who profits, who gains, who loses. It makes us or helps us to identify um, the shakers and movers and what their intentions are and and to recognize the power and profit motives that go into commercial media especially. So it's helping us to live mindfully and to participate in our democratic society as informed members because we're asking questions. It's really, the, I guess that's the nutshell of media literacy education and media mindfulness its adaptation to the um, to catechesis and evangelization, and that is learning how to ask questions, to ask good questions. That's the nutshell. And are you teaching mostly other professionals so that they can teach this, or are you teaching high schoolers and and grade schoolers how to get into this? We have uh, presented in Los Angeles, where we have our center here in the states. We have presented to professionals, and we've included professionals in the teaching of our of our media literacy education course. It's online this year, by the way, and you if you go to bemediamindful.org, you can check it out. So it's a catechist specialization certificate in media literacy education. But actually, we're training the trainers, and that means clergy, religious, parents, teachers so that they can go and do likewise. Right. 
right. so whatever their constituency is, their families, their their uh, in the classroom, in the pews, wherever we find people, to you know talk about the media that we watch, that we create. You know, we use a, a little card. We'll be passing them out at the conference um, here at the Catholic Media Conference called Think. If you go, if you Google it, you can find it for every, you can apply it to anything, but it's to ask, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? You can teach that to a five-year-old. Absolutely. And it, all the way to a person who's 100 years old, because as we create media, we post on social media, how, what are we reflecting on before we hit that enter button, before we hit send? And I think that's that's a lesson I've learned. I haven't always done things well on social media. So it's just something that we can apply if we can live intentionally and reflectively and in the care of others, you know, to be empathetic and to learn how others feel. Media literacy education sounds so cerebral, but actually in, the, in Latin America, they call it educommunication because they're looking at presenting to the whole person. So it's all combined. It yeah. is. It's, it's teaching, for example, us to think mindfully and critically. Critically is a good word. You know, it's, it's become a political football here. But sure, if you ask questions, people are going to get nervous, especially if they don't want you to know the answer. It, that's, but that's what it means. So it's, but how to um, use our minds in the best way, how to then make choices in our behavior, and then also to live that life of prayer and virtue and sensibility to others. So we're going from a human level to a spiritual level because the spiritual is built on the human and we can't forget that. So much media literacy education is based on character and how are we teaching character to our little ones? Well, when one little child starts crying because the other one slugged him, well, you ask the slugger, how would you like it if somebody did that to you? That's like the basic building block of character. So that's when we learned to do the right thing when no one is looking. That means what we choose to watch, what we choose to create in any realm of media that's right. out there, digital or otherwise. Two of the words you talked about in that think, inspiring and kind. Have we lost the sense of civil communication? Is, is civil communication an endangered species these days? Well, oh, sure it is. Uh, that's that's why we're even talking about this. That's how do we solve it? The, well, how do we solve it? Is see, that's the good thing about media literacy education. Everybody can do it, and it doesn't cost anything. It only takes effort and being like for adults, being willing to do it first. You see so many pictures now of little kids tugging on their parents, you know, shirts or coats, and the parents are on their phones. Uh-huh. You know, come on, you know what? The kids are learning. They're being socialized into a life on a phone by their own parents who are condemning it at the same time. So civil um, discourse has certainly suffered. It's been suffering for a long time. And so it's, this is nothing new, but it, look at how, how huge it is. On, well, you, you run into it on, on the radio. You run into it on television. And are we tired of it? Aren't we tired of the polemics? And look at people are suffering the consequences for for beating down other people now, you know, for invading privacy. You know, our privacy is is really being sacrificed on the altar of profit. You can call it technology and progress, but no, 
somebody's profiting, you know, you you right. click on a an ad on Facebook, and all of a sudden your Google feed is filled with ads, or vice versa. You search for something on Amazon, and all of a sudden Facebook is running whatever you look for. It's we have no privacy. We we have willingly given it up. Mm-hmm. We might think, well, I really didn't choose to do it. Okay, then close your Facebook account. Mm-hmm. Easy to close Twitter right now. <laughs> Harder to do that. Yeah. And his message for World Communications Day this year, Pope Francis focused on speaking with the heart. In your sense, what does it mean to communicate cordially with the heart? That's the root of that word. Uh, and why is it so important to listen while speaking and communicating? Listening is at least 50% of education, I mean, of um, communication. We at, In Rome the other day, just before I left, I was talking with a couple of sisters, and I said, so what language did God use when he communicated with Adam and Eve? And they were like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> and, so, and somebody said, you know, maybe they didn't use words at all. Maybe they communicated heart to heart. Maybe that's how close they were, you know. And and I kind of think that a little bit of what Francis has been trying to tell us that to listen with the with the eyes of the heart, with the um, and and to pay attention, which is not easy to because we all want to tell our own stories. And I don't think a lot of us are being heard either because everybody's in that same noisy space. So how do we step out of the noise, even visual noise? How do we step out of it? How do we make space for God and all that? That's what I think he's inviting us to do. Doesn't tell us how to do it, though. See, that's what he's, he's not giving us the process. He's processing us. You know, he's, he's tell, leading us on this journey together with us through this mire. If you start with Fratelli Tutti in particular, and you walk through his messages for World Communication Day. So we, we're on this journey of listening and communication and empathy and love and encounter. It's all these beautiful things that people wonder about, well, what does synodality mean? Well, hello, it's all right there. It's all laid out. That's our mission as disciples of Jesus. But this idea of being present to one another, a Jesuit who taught in Korea for many years, I think he's now at Creighton, he said that in Korean, the word communication means to be present to. Interesting. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. What yeah. Is, so it's being present to each other. Well, we've all heard the phrase that there's a reason that God gave us two ears and only one mouth. <laughs> yes. So, well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Sister Rose Picotti about communications and media literacy. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. 
the June 24th priesthood ordinations at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland mark two happy occasions in the cathedral's history. Father Stephen Roth, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, announced that the ordination of eight men was the largest single group in well over 40 years in the Archdiocese. Last year there were five, for instance, and there was one in 2021. And with the use of rented platform that allowed the Archbishop to face the congregation during the consecration, the cathedral's original high altar was used for the first time in decades to celebrate Mass. Ordained in the sometimes boisterous three-hour Mass that attracted some 2,000 people included Father Daniel Aquard, Father John Belenke, Father Javier Fuentes, Father Paul Gonjanet, Father Luke Koski, Father Felix Muo, Father Nicholas Moy, and Father Samson Anmaray. Archbishop Loris Homley reminded the candidates that they had been entrusted, quote, with a mission impossible, end quote. Every good priest, he said, recognizes his inadequacies for the mission entrusted to him and knows that the demands of the job outstrip his native ability. You can read the full story, see photos and video from the ordination on our website, catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We are back on Catholic Review Radio, and we are talking with Sister Rose Picotti, a member of the Daughters of St. Paul. Sister Rose, your religious order is known for its dedication to communications and media. Why is it important for religious sisters, such as the Daughters of St. Paul, to be so involved in this arena? Because the people to whom we are, with whom we are sharing faith and to whom we are communicating the gospel are immersed in this world. This is... This is where they live, this is where they dwell. Even older folks, we're not just talking the younger demographic here, we're talking everyone. Older folks love their email. They're, I'm friends with so many older people on Facebook and I know, well, you know, it's only older people, you know, grandparents that are on Facebook now, they've driven away all the young people. I go, well, that's okay, everybody needs to hear, you know, to communicate and have friends and form community. I don't know if that answered the question, but... I think it does. Yeah. I think it does. You want to be where the people are, which yeah. is good. You've been doing a lot of teaching about media, not just in Rome lately, but other parts of Europe. How did you end up going to Rome and work on these projects? Well, as I approached my 50th Jubilee of religious profession and my 55th... Thank you. And my 55th year in the convent, I said, you know, I need a new perspective on the world and life. And I said, you know, maybe I could spend a year in Singapore. I know the community there. I've visited a few times. I've given presentations there. Or Africa, five times to Africa, either, you know, South Africa, Kenya. I would love to spend a year in these places. Or Rome. So I wrote to, I asked the provincial, I wrote to the general. And within 24 hours, she goes, come to Rome. So I said, Okay. (laughs) Here I go. So I was able to um, spend these months in Rome, and I, the sisters in the Czech Republic, organized two weeks of uh, presentations on on evangelization in a digital age, which includes has to include that component of media literacy education, of being engaged not only in what we're 
consuming, but also what we're proclaiming and how we do it. And for all ages, I spoke to religious women. I spoke to the bishop's conference, which was the first time for me to address a, a bishop's conference. And uh, let's see, uh, youth leaders, catechists, and we did two public sessions, on one on theology and film, and another one was a panel on spirituality and film sponsored by the Dominicans, but it's a public lecture series that they have. And so I had to work with a uh, translator the whole time, which was a real exercise in memory because you're thinking what your answer to the question, but you have to stop so that the person can translate. Very interesting communication experience. But I have to tell you, I loved every minute of it. I loved Prague. Just going to Prague was amazing. What a beautiful, beautiful city and it's the Baroque capital of the world, I think. But the people were so warm, and even folks who aren't necessarily believers, or they're, you know, but they're good people. And I, I just loved, I was, uh, did an interview on Czech Public Radio, which was uh, really interesting, the questions that they ask and the interest that they have, like, why are you a sister doing media and communication work? Well, this is where the people are. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Now, you did something unusual uh, a little while ago. We all know that artificial intelligence is expanding, it's emerging, it's having a huge impact on every part of our lives. You had an interview of sorts, I'll put air quotes around interview of sorts, with uh, ChatGPT, an AI program. What was that like? What did you learn? And did the chatbot learn from you? Hard to say what it's learning at this point because the input and the data that it chat gpt has only goes up to 2021 i don't know if you're aware of that mm-hmm. what well, if it answers anything after that it'll make mistakes which it does you know what they call that when it makes mistakes hallucinating really? because it's making up what it thinks makes sense not really not not really uh, aligning it with what information is out there that was fascinating to learn but i didn't learn from him i'm calling it a him because uh-huh. it sounds like a him I said, I'm a Catholic journalist, and I would really like to uh, conduct an interview with you. Would you be okay with that? And the answer yes, I would be very open for that. Thank you for asking. Very polite. Thank you for asking. So I proceeded to ask, like, who created you? Why were you created, um, you know, to help people? You know, it was yeah. really to These help. These sound like questions out of the Baltimore Catechism. Yeah, yeah, well, I, exactly. <laughs> and... and uh, it was. I was just wanted to see what it knew about itself. Well, I'm a, I'm a language module. I don't have feelings, but um, I can form an opinion based on the information that I gather. But I'm supposed to be careful of not hurting people's feelings. When I found that out, it's when I asked, was this was outside of the interview? But when I asked it to, do you tell jokes? Well, I'm a language model, so I don't really have a sense of humor. Well, you can say that again. But I said, so can you create some jokes, five or six jokes that I could tell to a Catholic audience of communicators, appropriate jokes? And once again, it informed me that it's a language module. It doesn't have emotions and all this. But humor is a very subjective issue. And some people's feelings could get hurt if they don't understand it well. But yes, I can create these jokes for you, which it did. They were horrible. They were corny. They were like worse than dad jokes. Oh my god! And then they proceeded to it proceeded to explain each one, 
this is a play on words of this, this, and this. And I go, kill me now. <laughs> I, and you love puns. I, I know do, you love puns. I do. I love, I love to laugh. I love funny stuff. But this was sad. Yeah. <laughs> this was just sad. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, try to our listeners out there, please, if you get chat GPT, you don't have to pay for it. Uh, sure, you're going to be giving up something, I'm sure, when you give them your name and address or your email address. They're going to have some access to you online. But try it out. It's not all bad, but I'll tell you the potential for doing, for it being misused, like anything, is really there, strongly there. As Pope John Paul, mm-hmm. back in 1987, mm-hmm. in a message to communicators, said, you know that, that the modern means of communication have a great, uh, great potential for good, but also a great potential for evil. Sure. And so I think we probably see that same balance now with this. The other thing it could do for you, if you need a prayer for a special occasion, I asked it to write a prayer based on the writings of Pope Francis and our founder, Blessed James Alberione, on the good use of the media that I could use with Catholic communicators. And it said, sure, I can do that for you. And then I got this, oh, you, you tell it how many words, 50 words, 100 words. I got this beautiful prayer. And it says, we thank you, Lord, for these means that we have created in our own image. Now that's scary. Because what is that? That's building an idol, isn't it? That's to right. ourselves. And, and artificial intelligence, we're building it in our own image. We're not building it in anybody else's image. And we could say, we're well, we're, God's we're, image we're the image of God. But, you know, this is getting dicey here. Yeah, it's a little far removed. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck Todd, the outgoing um, moderator of Meet the Press, interviewed this gentleman who gave a talk to Congress. You can find it on Meet the Press AI if you Google it. Chuck Todd interviews um, head of Microsoft's artificial intelligence department. And uh, kind of scary. You know, he's like the most benevolent guy in the world to present AI to you. But he's saying we, you know, we do need, we realize, we recognize that ethics has to be built into AI. But guess what? Doesn't have to be. No. There's government standards out there that Congress created two, two years ago now. And they've made these standards. You could find them on the internet. But guess what? They're guidelines. And they're probably woefully behind because everything is being created Actually, so if you, quickly. Oh, well, there's you know, that. It's, it's, you can't even catch up, much less stay ahead. Well, if right as up today, it's pretty up to date. It's pretty good with AI and, and how the good use of AI. But like you said, like today, micro, um, today is we're going to date this program, but Tim Cook from Apple, they launched that new headset, you know, that um, virtual reality or hyper reality goggle thing that's going to cost $3,500. Who's going to buy that? Is it going to catch on? Well, they're, they think it will. But what does that do for human interaction? It's like, it's just hyper-individualism because it's an experience you have on your own. Mm-hmm. So we're all sitting in a room with a set of goggles on. Not going to help. Well, we have just a little bit of time left. Why is critical thinking such an important skill for all of us to learn, especially at an early age and especially in, in this time? It's the difference, I think, between 
being a couch potato and being someone who is involved in life. And, you know, if you just want to sit back and not make any effort at all and just be passive, I mean, physically passive, make a pass at, you know, not caring about being involved in the world and a person who cares, who gets up every morning and tries to engage family, neighbor, service. That's the difference. Being critical thinkers means to care about life and what's going on and to be curious. Why is that happening? You know, we always say kids ask, why, 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 why? That is our natural aptitude and we suppress it. We're asked to be quiet. We're, we're asked not to ask questions. And that's unfortunate mm -hmm. because we need, that's the nature of the human person is to be curious and to really wonder why when you ask why. Really, what are you going to do with that information once you know it? You're going to act in some way. You're going to integrate it into your life. It'll hopefully make you a better, more empathetic person, and as Christians, more authentic followers of Christ. That's what I hope it will do for us. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. Well, we have been talking today with daughter of St. Paul, Sister Rose Picotti, about communications, digital media, and media literacy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Chris, always. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in His love.